African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Hey, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Thank you for joining us where you get the African perspective. Just a reminder that we're on shortwave on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa on DSTV on Channel 802. Uh, that's on the audio bouquet. Remember, you can also find us on our website online on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, it's great to be back. I've been away for most of this week. I want to thank Ayanda Mkwanaz who's been standing in for me for the uh, past few days while i've not been here i've been told that she did a fantastic job so thanks to her for that well something that's on pause right now maybe people are not really speaking about it because it is on pause is the uh, commission of inquiry into state capture in uh, south africa proceedings have been postponed to november well we want to look back at what has actually happened since the beginning of this particular inquiry uh, the deputy chief justice raymond zondo's legal team brought an application to postpone evidence submission by former Minister Barbara Hogan, who was expected to testify, as well as Minister Pravin Gordon. Advocate Tandy Norman told the Commission that Hogan's final statement had been received, but those implicated in her affidavit had not been given sufficient time to respond, which is normally a two-week window. One of the submissions was done also by uh, the former Minister of Finance, Ntlantla uh, Nene, who is no longer Minister due to uh, the implications of for his submissions at the inquiry. Well, we're going to be looking at this with the great journalists who've been looking at this particular story. Some of them have been actually uh, being the result of why we even have uh, an inquiry due to their great journalistic work. Uh, joining us on the line, we've got Sam Soul, who is a co-managing director at Amabungane. Also, we've got Karen Morn, senior journalist at uh, Tissot Black Star. I want to start with you, Sam. In terms of looking back at the big moments, we know that uh, the inquiry really started on a very, very interesting note when we saw the very critical uh, fakey mentor giving evidence. And uh, it has been interesting even now that we've seen that uh, due to his um, uh, um, submissions and testimonies, uh, the former minister, Tlantlanene, has now resigned. What has stood out for you so far with this particular inquiry? Look, I think uh, the impression that this inquiry is going to, um, you know, get seriously engaged uh, with the detail of, of, of state capture and, and serious consequences. I mean, we've seen already, you know, the resignation of the finance minister and, you know, you can't get much more, more serious than, than that. Sure. Um, I think uh, a, big, a big step... Um, was the um, ad- admission, uh, at least uh, provisionally, um, of the of the Gupta leaks emails, um, because that provides the commission with a, a, a wealth of evidence on which to draw um, and and knit together the the, the testimony from uh, you know from people who've been been involved mm-hmm. and and uh, you know who've given evidence so far and mm-hmm. those those still still to come. 
So, I mean, I've, I've been, been impressed. We, we have a very uneven history in, in relation to commissions of inquiry um, in, in this country, but I think this one is, has, has got uh, very sharp people involved. It seems to have resources. Um, it seems like it's, it's really getting to the meat, meat of state capture. Well, Karen, do you agree with Sam there? What have your impressions been so far? I've seen you on television day in, day out at the inquiry itself. Uh, so it must be a lot of work for you as a journalist. But what have been your um, viewpoints and your impressions of uh, this particular commission? I think Sam's point about the admission of the Gupta leak emails is, is absolutely pivotal, not just mm. for the inquiry itself, but for law enforcement. You know, what was interesting, actually very, very uh, interesting was when we heard the evidence of the inquiry, they were pained to say that very key processes had been followed to make sure that those, there was an established chain of evidence around those emails. In other words, they could be used in kind of law enforcement or civil processes. There couldn't be an argument that potentially they were tampered with in the process, that that, that there was somehow... Um, you know, something raised about their visibility as evidence. And it's also pivotal to remember that up until now, the Hawks haven't actually had access to the emails in their entirety. They've basically been working off media reports um, done by Amabungani and, and others in terms of the emails themselves, and they haven't actually had access to them. And we saw extraordinary kind of things happening when the Hawks tried to bring subpoenas to access documents mm. of ESCOM, for example, only to discover that a number of those documents were missing and had been shredded. So the admission of these emails in this way is, is very, very pivotal, not just to the work of the inquiry, but to law enforcement itself. Well, let's look at the first uh person to actually stand before the commission that was the former member of parliament and post that he's been a, she's been a very huge zuma critic that's fake mental when she gave evidence it was almost very kind of difficult to kind of keep a, a track of her thoughts and a track of what she was saying seems like people on twitter were saying she was not prepared or she was all over the place but what was very critical about that first evidence was the fact that she made that link between uh, herself as a member of parliament and as a critical member of the ruling party being linked to uh, the Gupta family, Karen. What stood out for you there with Feiki? Do you think that she was instrumental or do you think that uh, she was all over the place as was she was criticized during her testimony? Well, I mean, obviously, M. Kabisi Jonas was the, the first witness and mm. I think Feiki came second. But, sure. Um, you know, I think the the inquiry felt that she she made statements that were strong enough to justify some form of response from former President Jacob Zuma. So when he did not bring an application to cross-examine her, um, the DCJ Zondor actually extended an invitation to him to say, can you address these allegations of fakey mentor that you were there present when the Gupta family allegedly offered her this position um, can you address these allegations? Um, you know, the Gupta family have obviously disputed a lot of their evidence. They've placed, you know, photographs of their home um, in, in their kind of response or attempt to cross-examine her and said that, you know, they're vegetarians and they would never have offered her um, a lamb curry, as she <laughs> alleges, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, 
you know, what her evidence has uncovered is that they were present during a state visit to China. She painted them as kind of a pivotal part of the Zuma team, which they've disputed and said they were just business people in China to do business. But given the kind of um, revelations that were uncovered, particularly by Amakungane in terms of the Transnet deal and South China Rail and the, the alleged kickbacks um, that were given to so-called Gupta Associates as a consequence of that deal, her evidence, I think, within the matrix of what is out there is, is pretty pivotal. Um, and while there may be disputes about some of her descriptors and I think saying that the Hawks fetched the docket with a private jet and, you know, there were some quite hyperbolic elements, I mean, you know, that were, I think, can be kind of disputed. But I think if you look beneath that, there are certain averments there that I think are quite important in the matrix of evidence as a whole. Mm. Well, Sam, let me come back to you, Karen, correcting me very accurately there, uh, stating the fact that uh, it was actually um, uh, Mr. Jonas who was actually the first person to stand in front of uh, uh, this particular inquiry. Uh, From his perspective, what stood out for you? Because uh, that was a link of that almost similar to what uh, uh, the... uh, Fakey mentor was highlighting the fact that there was that kind of promises that were made to them in ministries by the Gupta family. So we saw that reiteration coming from uh, both of these uh, witnesses. Yes, look, I think um, what is in, what is important, and I think is, is what is going to what is going to grow in importance, is the various strands that um, tie the president or the former president, um, Jacob Zuma, um, to uh, the whole initiative of, of, of state capture. Mm. Um, and in that, Fakey Mentor was important, um, uh, Mr. Jonas was important, um, uh, and, and uh, evidence that um, uh, the, the former finance minister, Mitzvah gave, uh, also very important, because um, we know that um, former president Zuma was... Uh, an intelligence operative. We know that um, uh, he, he doesn't commit much to paper. There's not, there's not uh, even mm. in the Gupta leaks. Uh, there's, there's not a paper trail sure. uh, for the president. For so, so that evidence of his his personal role, mm. um, in a sense, making introductions, asking people, um, you know, this, this is the family. They look after my son. Please help them all of these kind of coded messages mm. um, that he gives, the way, he, way, the evidence that we have of the way he intervened in relation to the nuclear deal in Russia, the way he, he behaved in cabinet, um, uh, you know, th- those things are absolutely going to be absolutely crucial uh, mm. in a sense to, to developing a, a, a framework of accountability uh, for, for, uh, for the President Zuma because none of this could have happened with, without his influence. Mm. Well, that's the voice there of Sam Sol, who is the co-managing director there at Amabungane. And also we've got Karen Morn, senior journalist at Tiso Black Star. Supposed to have Elvis Masoha on the line as well, but I think he wasn't available for us this morning. But I'm going to take a quick break and we're going to speak to uh, these two great, brave journalists in South Africa. They've been very closely tied looking at this particular story of uh, the Commission of Inquiry into State Capture. They've actually been involved in 
in the stories even before uh, the state capture inquiry was actually appointed itself by the president of South Africa. It's 20 minutes past 11 o'clock. We're going to come back and I want to look at the testimonies that we saw from academics, especially when it came to looking at the issues of defining the reference of terms when it comes to state capture itself. We'll look at that after uh, this break and then also we'll look at uh, uh, the testimonies by also Ntlantlanene, the former minister of uh, um, finance in South Africa. And also we expected to see uh, Duzani Zuma, the former president's son, who's saying now that he was willing to come and testify at the commission. Before that, he said that he wouldn't be involved and that there wasn't really an imposition for him to come before uh, the commission. We know that we're also expecting uh, testimonies from Barbara Hoging, the former minister of uh, uh, former minister. And also we know that that's very important because that's why we're at this particular point of the pause of the inquiry due to the fact that uh, she has actually um, had huge, huge documents that have been forwarded to uh, the commission and those have to be paged through uh, because there are those who have been implicated in her affidavit. But we'll look at those uh, points of discussion after this break. Remembering Mama Albertina Sisulu. We will say whatever we are expected to say by the people. And we are aligning ourselves with the struggle for the people. We are aligning ourselves with the struggle for the liberation of the oppressed people of this country. Hashtag Mama Sisulu Centenary. Channel Africa. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it was one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1,000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1,000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1,000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa. Thank you for joining us on DSTV Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. If you're listening to us on shortwave, remember that frequency is 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. Well, today here on African Dialogue, we're speaking to great, uh, brave journalists on the line. Sam Sol's joining us from Amabungani, who's the co-managing director there. They are mainly responsible for most of the state capture leaks. And also we've got Karen Morn, senior journalist, who is... Uh, uh, now with Tiso Black Star, a fantastic journalist who has been also following uh, the story for a very long time. Well, let me look at that uh, particular moment in time that took a bit of time of uh, the inquiry, Karen, which was when we saw those academics, uh, I think from the U.S. or South America, uh, where they were looking at uh, the uh, definitions of state capture. Some people were kind of bored by that particular period. How important was that? I think what's important is that 
you know, we are the first country in the world to look into the phenomena of state capture within our own governmental structures. But it's not something that is unique to South Africa. It's something that, on the evidence of the two academics that testified, has happened around the world. Um, you know, if you look at Russia, for example, if you look at some of the countries in South America, and I think there's an argument to be made that, you know, it, it exists in, in, in governments like the U.S. and the U.K. as well to some degree. But what's happened in South Africa is that the, the alleged state capture phenomenon has actually turned into dysfunctional corruption. Um, and I think that what was interesting was having these academics look at things like state-owned enterprises, look at how a successful state capture project is, is carried out in terms of that, and giving this holistic picture of, of how that happens. Because within the definition of, of what this in, uh, inquiry has to investigate, I think it's very important for them to understand what it is exactly that they're trying to uncover. And, you know, the president, former president himself, in response, in latest sentient inquiries, actually said, well, you know, his lawyers are saying, well, we don't know, we can't comment on this so-called crime of state capture because we don't actually necessarily know what it is. Mm -hmm. So in terms of defining the parameters of what they're actually addressing, I think it was, it was important for them to do so in the way that they did. I mean, and I think they will elaborate on that kind of evidence as this thing proceeds. Mm. What, what are your thoughts on, on that particular idea of state capture? Because so far, Karen is right. We've seen um, even publicly uh, the former president of South Africa, Jacob Zuma, speaking around this idea of state capture. And he's defined saying there's nothing such as state capture because he doesn't understand how it's linked to him and how it's actually a reality in terms of uh, his son's link to uh, the Gupta family, Sam. Yeah, no, no. Look, I think this this is important because you know there 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 hasn't been an attempt to, uh, in a sense, hide what has gone on behind a kind of a narrative of uh, transformation or you know radical economic change or, or, or what, what ter- terms like that. Um, and the president, uh, the former president uh, Zuma, has has you know played semantic games. Um, and I think what we are starting to see with um, this uh, commission of inquiry, but also with um, uh, the kind of broader uh, accountability uh, mechanisms that are happening. The Nugent inquiry, uh, for instance, uh, the, the the public investment corporation inquiry that's just been been announced, um, is a picture of the impact of this this state capture process has had on state institutions. Um, mm. So it it it. It, will, it is is wider and was wider than 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 just the Guptas um, and and their activities. Um, we have the 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 attack on and the damage done to to the South African revenue revenue service, which is you know in a sense one of the pillars of the state. Hmm. Um, we we have had a similar process with the the criminal justice system, uh, which also has has to be you know attended to. So I think the discussion around, well, what is this phenomenon? How does it work? How do we undo it? Um, and that's one of the very uh, important uh, terms of reference of, of the State Capture Commission is, is how do we understand it and how, how, do we, how do we undo it? Because we're starting to see detail of the, of the, of the actual damage uh, that, that has been done 
to the functioning of the state. State capture is when the functioning of the state, and obviously not all of the state. President Sumer made, made a, uh, you know, a ridiculous comment with, because because the judiciary is not captured, therefore it's not state state capture. Yeah, because yeah. This is you know, but but nobody is saying that the entire state is captured. But key functions of the state fall under the control of 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 uh, you know factions and and individuals and 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 of bent. Um, to to function in the interests of those factions and and, and 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 individuals, and that's what we've seen here, and that results in, in enormous damage to the proper functioning of the of the state and its delivery of 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 services to to, to ordinary citizens. Linking that particular point that you're making now, Sam is that we saw a very confused dance from um, uh, Duduzani Zuma, uh, Jacob Zuma's son, in terms of coming before um, uh, the commission. He, he first said that he would not be appearing before the commission. There, A few days after, we saw him say, okay, he, he will be appearing before the commission. Uh, that uncertainty from him, what is it signaling, number one? And number two, how important is it to have him at this inquiry? Uh, look, uh, I think uh, Karen would probably be able to answer this uh, in a lot more detail than, than me because she's been uh, quite in touch with that part, mm, part of mm. it. But I think it would be very important to have him. Uh, he was a key uh, uh, functionary in, in, the, in the Gupta op- operation, uh, and he was a key, in my view, he was a key cutout uh, for, the, for, the, for the president. So he was a proxy for the president, uh, but the president could... Uh, uh, President Zuma could could distance himself and say, "Look, it's my son. It's, he has his own business, etc." Et but we see a lot of evidence that he uh, he acted as a proxy for uh, for his his, his father uh, in, in in some way and was regarded as, as, as that. So I think I think it will be very important for him to to come there. I, I, I frankly I will be surprised um, if he does, but perhaps Karen has a view on that. <laughs> well, Karen, what are your thoughts on, on that, especially to Duzani Zuma? I mean, we saw him at that BBC interview whereby he was uh, speaking about uh, various forces there that are uh, at war with each other. Very confused interview in terms of how he was defending himself as this likable guy. Uh, what are your thoughts on how central he is to this commission? Well, he has said he's going to come and testify, and that was why he was granted um, the right to cross-examine Mkabisi Jonas. Remember, he's facing trial for um, allegedly attempting to corrupt Mr. Jonas based on on an affidavit that was filed by sure. the DA's David Manier. Mm-hmm. But um, he is a pretty pivotal player. And remember, as Sam rightly points out, um, there is this aspect to which family members or those close to very powerful individuals within the so-called state capture project, we utilized as a mechanism to gain access and to gain leverage in certain situations. Ace Magashula's son is in business with, mm. with the Gupta family. Um, you know, we know Jesse Duarte's son-in-law for four brief glorious days while Des Van Royen was the, you know, in Treasury as finance minister. Her son-in-law was one of his advisors. He's aligned to the Guptas. Um, you know, we've had allegations that Minister Lynn Brown, personal um, people that she was in personal relationships, were courted or connected to the Gupta family. So this this kind of idea that because someone is not directly involved and it's, oh, no, it's just my son, it's just my girlfriend, it's just whoever, then, you know, then there's a degree of distance. It's simply not borne out by the kind of 
evidence that we see coming through the, the Gupta leaks. And I think, Sam, the work that Amma Bulgani did in terms of looking at Didizani Zuma as a character, how dependent he was on the Gupta family, how they dealt with certain maintenance issues that he had was involved one of his uh, children. Um, they sorted out when he was in a, in a car accident, which he is now facing culpable homicide charges for. They were, they were the people that he called and dealt with. They were really kind of a family structure um, for him. So there's a deep and ingrained sense of relationship there, which I think is quite fascinating. And the fact that they kind of courted him from the time that his father ascended to the leadership of the ANC when he was really not, even on his own version, in interviews that he's given to me, um, not very much, you know, not a player, not, not well off, and basically elevated to this position where on the version, for instance, of Mkabisi Jonas, they would boast about we've made this man a billionaire, make him a very, very pivotal witness. We know both he and Fanat Longwana are going to cross-examine Mkabisi Jonas about this um, meeting that he says the, he had with the Guptas, they're disputing it um, as a little as a little squad. But um, I think what will be more fascinating for me is when he finally comes in and answers questions because he declined the invitation of the public protector to give mm. his account of that. He has um, not been part of the parliamentary process um, in terms of certain state capture investigations that they've done. And while he did do that interview with the BBC's Milton and Corsi, um, they were quite bland denials and I think that you know like everything in these kind of scenarios it will be the specific details that will prove to be most pivotal well uh, let's take one more break before we wrap up the discussion um, and we'll look at uh, the issue of uh, uh, what's going to be happening in the next section of uh, the inquiry itself. We know that uh, Barbara Hogan is also a very instrumental uh, test, uh, testimony that is going to be actually uh, going to be coming in front of the commission. I also want to speak about uh, uh, the big development where we saw testimonies of Ntlantlanene. Uh, what was interesting is to see how that was actually politicized with the economic freedom fighters actually coming into that conversation, speaking about how many times um, actually, Tlantlanene met uh, with the Guptas, and that has created also uh, issues whereby people are asking a question in terms of Tlantlanene's role within the PIC, and uh, uh, that was a big, big thing. And we saw Tlantlanene actually resigning post that. So we'll discuss that in our final session of this discussion with both of our guests. Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host. Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Your Game, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, it's an honor to be here. Palesa Mukubong, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event? I just know that I need to arrive and, and, <laughs> okay. and do my part and do it really, really well. Yeah. This is Channel Africa.
South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunyenzovo and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. You're with me, Benjamin Mushatama. Remember, we are going to have our business news coming up at around 11.45 Central African time. Thereafter, we also have our sports. We're going to wrap up uh, this discussion that we're having with uh, Sam Sol, uh, co-managing director at Amabungan, and Karen Moon, senior journalist at Tiso Black Stars. There's some comments happening on uh, Twitter. Someone who goes by the name of Muriro Farai says, two white people discussing African issues, I see problems. Well, I see a problem with you, Murilo. And that's kind of a primitive way of thinking that uh, white people are non-African. It's kind of very much uh, uh, very primitive to think white people wouldn't be Africans in 2018. Well, we've got a great uh, reply from Ian Price who says, it will only be effective when someone is held to account either by paying back or going uh, to jail. I guess uh, that uh, Ian is saying paying back that money. We're asking the question uh, do you think the inquiry has been effective thus far? Uh, do interact with us on our Twitter handle at Channel Africa One. That's at Channel Africa One. Well, uh, let's uh, uh, wrap up the conversation in some way, Karen. Uh, finally, let's look at Ntlantlanena. He was someone who was actually very much prized in uh, this discussion when it came to state capture, just in how he came out, especially when it came to the issue of the nuclear uh, deal. Um, he was very, very vocal in terms of that. But things turned around during his testimony at the inquiry. Tell us a little bit about how that actually took place and was it necessary to see him resigning, Karen? Well, you know, many is at the center of of the allegations that actually sparked this whole state capture investigation because he was removed in December 2015. It's a great shock. The markets went into turmoil um, you know, and there was all these questions about what happened. Dev Van Royen comes into office for four days, is then placed by Pavin Gordon. Subsequently, we see Mkabisi Jonas come forward and give these, give this, make these claims about the Guptas, offering him the position of finance minister and 600 million rand to do their bidding. Um, and so it was really that, that, that evidence in relation to him that sparked the public protector's um, state of capture investigation um, and then led to this inquiry, ironically enough, which eventually resulted in him actually, uh, you know, being removed from his or resigning from his position. And mm. um, I, you know, the nuclear, in, the nuclear deal information is, is pivotal. And I think that we cannot, as journalists, take our eye off that particular ball, because I think there's, you know, th- there's this language from the ANC about we're not going to continue with this until such, you know, that we won't do something that we can't afford. But, um, you know, I think that there was such a clear and concerted project about pushing this deal through at all costs, like overriding Treasury processes, ignoring Treasury's own input, cooking the books to make it appear that the deal would actually cost 40% less than it would, fixing to an exchange rate of 10 rand to the dollar in, in, in a time period where that was simply um, massively, you know, incorrect. 
um, really gives you a sense of how concerted this effort was to make this deal go through at all costs. And I think that was really one of the most pivotal aspects of his evidence. Him stepping down, I think, you know, many people will, you know, also in relation to his son's um, alleged business dealings to the to the PRC at the time that he was the chairman, I think it was a very important moment. And I think that what your, what your listener is saying about people being held responsible for their conduct is something that we have to apply to to people that we may have, you know, within the landscape and the discourse of, of, of public opinion around state capture, we may see as, as heroes. And while he did not sign those letters, um, which would have sort of set in place certain obligations to the Russian government, at the same time, he does need to help be held accountable. And if he hadn't resigned or stepped down or been removed, the people who are on the other side of the fence in terms of the allegations that incriminate him will say, well, you know, he's part of this politically favored group. They are, not, they are exactly the same. They are exactly the same as us. And, um, you know, why do you want us to resign or face action when it's one of your faves, then you're not interested? So I think that that, you know, a line was drawn in the sand there. And I think it reverberates into issues like the VBS scandal and the EFF. And it sits, it, it's really the first time that we've seen a public mm. official step down with these kind of allegations around him. And I think, you know, whatever your opinion may be of Atlanta Nene, I think it was the right thing to do. Mm. Well, uh, let's wrap it up and looking at uh, things uh, to come. I know we have only about three minutes uh, left uh, with uh, both of you. Sam, Barbara Hogan, former Minister of Public Enterprises, how important is her um, moment here? I know we're talking about uh, state enterprises. It's in the center of this particular discussion. What do you think uh, her um, testimony means, especially because she was responsible for uh, these uh, pillars of South Africa's, uh, uh, whether it's uh, the finance ministry of or of the South Africa economy? Okay, yes. Look, I think state enterprises um, are, are, are central because uh, the capture of state enterprises was part of the um, you know, main target of, 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 of state capture. Um, and Barbara, Barbara Hogan is going to be very important because, in a sense, she was removed because she, she wouldn't play ball. She's already given uh, some, some evidence previously suggesting that she came under pressure uh, around the uh, Gupta's interests or their friends' interests mm-hmm. in the SAA route uh, to India. Um, and, and when she was removed and uh, um, uh, um, her successor then came came in um, and appointed some of the key uh, people on the boards of state enterprises who were instrumental in in, in shifting decisions uh, in a way that we see later benefited uh, the Gupta. So her account of that and her her interaction with the president again and her her removal I think is going to be important. Um, And then we've also obviously got uh, Praveen Gordon uh, coming up who has been at the center of so many of these of these events and 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 the and and the you know the, the battle uh, over state capture, so we, we've got a lot of a lot of new things ahead. Well, I'm going to let it go there. I know that uh, we are uh, just uh, going to wrap it up, but let me get my final sentiment from you, Karen. What can we expect beyond the testimony of Barbara and also uh, Pravin Gordon? Is there more that we can expect in what's going to come after this uh, commission's break? 
We don't have a real profound sense at this point, but I think okay. the most important will be when we see the kind of us, the, the, the in-depth investigative um, work that's been done um, by the former Auditor General in terms of like the nuts and bolts of, you know, the, the capture, alleged capture of ESCOM and other state-owned enterprises. And I think that, that that evidence is going to be pivotal. We're getting these big political figures, um, you know, really giving us quite in-depth insight into the machinations of, you know, with these big, big players within government. But I think it's going to be the micro evidence of what happened at state enterprises like Transnet, ESCOM, et cetera, that's going to be pivotal. I also think that what's going to be very important is whether or not, and I understand that uh, Enoch Gordon has been approached by the commission, the ANC send representatives to the inquiry, which they've said they will do, to address these allegations of why they felt it was appropriate for them to meet with representatives from the banks over the closing of the Gupta bank account. And I think that when and if that evidence comes, we might get quite an interesting perspective mm. on ANC as a broad church mm. and the kind of factional battles that were happening at that time mm. around this rhetoric of, for instance, white monopoly capital um, and state capture mm. at that particular moment in, in the organization's history. Well, thank you both for giving us your extended time. Thank you to Sam Saul, co-managing director at Amabungani. Thanks to Karen Moon, senior journalist at Diso Blackstar. Keep doing the great work. You guys have been very central in very much of these pivotal issues. And without you, great journalists, we wouldn't actually get this information right in the public eye. So we really appreciate you for your time and all the work that you've done. Thank you for joining us on our program. Thank, thank you. you very much.